Hello and welcome, folks, to the Doc Bryant Podcast, the Doc Bryant Show. I am your host, Doc Bryant. I am a former Fleet Marine Force Navy combat corpsman, hence the name Doc. And I am a family, faith, and freedom-loving, constitutional conservative. And I am here to talk about stuff, politics, culture, and anything else that happens to pop culture. Yes, politics, pop culture, all kinds of fun stuff, anything that tickles my fancy. And today, actually, this past couple of weeks has been very busy. But today, which, uh, by the way, is uh, the 1st of November, has been very interesting, very busy. Uh, A lot of things have caught my attention. Um, And so let's jump right into it. Uh, One of the first things that I commented on earlier in my uh, video show is uh, the use of uh, the abusive uh, tactic of blame shifting by the Democrats with regards to the assault on Paul Pelosi. Now, let's just set the record straight. Paul Pelosi was attacked by a guy in his underwear with a hammer in his house, in Paul Pelosi's home. Both Paul Pelosi and the assailant, David DePape or De Pape or whatever. I mean, the guy is Canadian, so there's absolutely no way to tell how he actually pronounces his name. Both of them were in their underwear. When the police arrived, there was one other unidentified individual who allowed them entry into the home. The police walked in to find both Pelosi and DePape holding a single hammer. Pelosi let go of the hammer when the police ordered both men to let go of the hammer, and instead of letting go of the hammer, DePape began to assault Pelosi with the hammer until he was subdued by police. The official police report has been changed two to three times since the incident occurred. What we do know is that the Pelosi compound is highly secured and uses off-duty police officers, or hell, for all I know, on-duty police officers, but at least two police officers to secure the front gate. And it has state-of-the-art security throughout. I would imagine that includes video cameras. No video footage of this incident has occurred. 
no one has questioned, no one in the mainstream media, and I hesitate to call them the mainstream media, rather I should say the legacy media, have questioned how a half-naked guy, or a mostly naked guy, managed to get into the compound and allegedly break in. Now, they're saying that, I guess they're saying that he broke into the house via a uh, glass door, but photographs, aerial photographs of the broken glass door show that the glass was broken outwards, not inwards. Now, if I come to your house and I break into your house via a glass door, like the sliding glass door at the back of a house, and I bash it in, the broken glass will be on the inside of the house, not the outside of the house, which indicates that the blow that broke the glass of the door came from the inside. It's seeming to me that the Pelosi narrative, the legacy media narrative, and indeed the police report narrative are lies. Yes, I am accusing the San Francisco Police Department of lying, at the very least lying by omission. The first omission being the name of the individual who allowed them entry into the home. You see, when a police officer arrives on a crime scene, he is very careful to make sure to get the names of everybody involved, especially if those individuals are witnesses, no doubt. Whoever was in the home at the time was witness to two grown men in their underpants fighting over a hammer. So why is that person not named? Well, folks, the prevailing theory is, and, and I don't know, if any of this is true. At this point, I am just going with the prevailing theory, not by the legacy media, but by people who actually care about the truth. Uh, apparently, it has been widely known for quite some time that Paul Pelosi is homosexual. As we know by, you know, from the Clintons, Frequently, political marriages are marriages of convenience. And it, well, this stuff like this is just so prevalent in our society these days, it's sickening. But at any rate, apparently it has been well known for quite some time that Paul Pelosi is a homosexual. This individual, David DePape, who is an illegal immigrant from, hang on there, Canada, and was actually supposed to have been deported from Canada, except for the fact 
that San Francisco is a sanctuary city. This individual has been living in a hippie commune. He is a nudist activist only in California, folks. A nudist activist. He is a member of the Green Party, a registered member of the Green Party. And he makes hemp jewelry as a side hustle. It would appear, perhaps, that his main hustle is male prostitution. Uh, at any rate, uh, during the 911 call, which has been released, it was announced that Pelosi initially indicated that he did not know David DePape, and then shortly thereafter claimed that he was a friend whose name was David. There's just all kinds of stuff that don't square up about this situation if you listen to the Democrats' narrative. But the fact of the matter is that the situation occurred. It more likely is a situation of an altercation of some kind between either a prostitute and his John or two gay lovers, either way. Um, the Democrats, never wanting to waste a good opportunity, and, and I've got to give them this, they are so practiced at taking any kind of crisis, be it theirs or other people's, and using it to their advantage. They immediately took this and used it to their advantage and first started spinning it as if this guy was some kind of lunatic who was spurred to violence by uh, Republican hate speech. And that was quickly shredded. Um, because when people found out who this guy was, you know, you've got a illegal alien nudist living in a hippie commune selling hemp jewelry in San Francisco. That does not scream MAGA to me or to anybody else. That is, is not the profile of a conservative in any way, shape, or form. Then they began, the Democrats began demanding, demanding that Republicans denounce the violence used against Paul Pelosi. This is a tactic used by abusers against their victims called blame 
shifting. If you have ever been in an abusive relationship, you will know that everything bad, no matter what it is, is always your fault. And the Democrats have the establishment Republicans trained like this. And immediately, people like uh, McCarthy and McConnell were coming out and denouncing this horrible act of violence and, and, and hoping for Paul Pelosi's quick recovery and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, on the newly liberated Twitter, and the new liberation of Twitter factors into this rather amusingly and brilliantly, thanks to Elon Musk. While the liberals on Twitter were going through their dog whistling, talking about how they demanded that we conservatives uh, denounce what happened to Paul Pelosi. Most of us were saying, why? We didn't do it. We didn't have anything to do with this. It has absolutely, we have no reason to be apologizing for anything or denouncing anything. As if by our silence we were somehow condoning what was done, as if we had somehow, again, motivated this individual to commit violence against Mr. Pelosi. This also served as, as a kind of a way to create a smokescreen as far as the real motivation of the crime uh, it had multiple uses. It usually does. They do this frequently. And that was a beautiful thing to watch when it occurred, when it broke on Twitter, because the, the liberals got pounced upon. And the cherry on this particular Sunday was when Hillary Clinton came out and was somehow uh, trying to make this the Republicans' fault. And no less than the chief twit himself, Twitter's savior, and the man who has done more for free speech than any politician has in the last half century, Elon Musk, came out citing a report that stated that Paul Pelosi is a drunk, well-known drunk, well-known homosexual, and that this was likely some kind of lover's spat or uh, argument between a John and the prostitute, and said, I think there might be a little bit more to this story, which was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The narrative that the left tried to foment 
on Twitter didn't work anymore because they do not control the free exchange of ideas on Twitter anymore. And Twitter, Twitter was their last bastion of censorship. An argument could be made that Facebook is the last bastion of their censorship, with the exception of the fact that Facebook is a dying property. No, Twitter is still the largest social media outlet in the world, and it is now free. It is now free. Which brings me to my next story. The next story that really needs to be addressed. The main story for the day, and perhaps for the week, and perhaps for the month, and perhaps for the election. You see, Elon Musk found out that executives from Twitter had been regularly meeting with representatives from the Department of Homeland Security to discuss what subjects were to be censored and how they were to be censored, how these particular subjects were to be steered, how the narrative of these subjects were to be steered, and what voices were to be silenced. This was happening with Twitter. And then DHS documentation was leaked to indicate that it was also happening on Facebook. Not that very many people care because hardly anybody's on Facebook anymore. And again, it is a dying property, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing to see at any rate. The more important issue here is that the Biden administration had at one point attempted to create a Bureau of Disinformation within the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, they did so rather publicly because, I don't know, maybe they thought that it was going to be a popular idea, but it turned out, funnily enough, it was not a good idea. It was not one that was relished by the vast majority of people in the United States, nor was it supported by uh, Congress. Uh, it was supported by the Democrats, of course, in Congress, but it, it received a lot of kickback, understandably so. And so they said, okay, we're not going to do it publicly. And then they went ahead and they did it covertly within the Department of Homeland Security. They decided that since terrorism was no longer a major issue, they were going to use the Department of Homeland Security against the people of the United States of America. 
in direct violation of the Constitution of the United States, which they are sworn to uphold. This is nothing short of treason. Now, I don't know if many of you know this. If you are listening to this podcast, all three of you, then you, I'm sure, are aware of the fact that the true governing body in the United States is not, in fact, the denizens of Washington, D.C. The true rulers of the United States of America are we, the people of the United States, who elect representatives to go to Washington, D.C. and represent us, whose job it is to protect our rights, the rights of we, the people. We have reached a point in history where the denizens of D.C. not only no longer protect the rights of we the people, but they are operating in direct opposition to we the people. They are working very diligently to take away our rights so that they may set themselves up as our rulers. Now they have a whole bunch of wonderful sounding reasons for doing this kind of thing. They're, after all, protecting us from ourselves because they are ever so much smarter than we. They have gone to Yale and Harvard and Princeton and Brown and Rice and SMU, and all of those really big, well, you know, Berkeley, you know, all of those big, big universities, and, and they've studied, and, and they've gotten their JDs and their PhDs and all of their other Ds, and they are suited to rule over us benevolently, of course. Well, folks, I'm afraid that's not how the United States works. I'm afraid that the Constitution is still the law of the land in the United States. And if an elected official, if a member of the federal bureaucracy if a member of the military or a member of federal law enforcement act in a manner counter to that Constitution, then they should be held to account by we, the people. One thing I am going to ask you all to do, I am going to ask you 
to look on Twitter, to look at the websites of your elected officials, and to see what, if any, response they have had with regards to the Department of Homeland Security acting against the citizens of the United States of America. And if they have had no response, then you can know for sure that they are in on it, that they are part of the swamp, that they are part of the cabal that wishes to make themselves our rulers, that wishes to violate, to overturn the Constitution of the United States and the rightful rule of we, the people of the United States. And you need to hold them accountable and vote them out. We are not in a time where we can sit idly by and allow other people to do the job for us. No, in fact, we never should have allowed that to happen. That kind of thinking is what got us into this mess in the first place. It allowed a group of useless, largely stupid, criminal individuals to gain power, to amass wealth, and to begin to weaponize our own government against us. It was our laziness that allowed this to happen. And the only way that we can A, reverse the situation, and B, make sure it never happens again, is if we get involved. Get involved in local politics. Become a poll watcher. Become a precinct chairman. Hell, run for office. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to your local city councils because that's where this garbage starts. What is your city council doing? What are your mayors doing? What are your sheriffs doing? What are your state representatives and senators doing? What are your governors doing? Now, we've largely done a pretty good job of fixing the problem at a local and state level, and it appears that we are moving and have moved to the point where those in the federal government can no longer maintain their positions. By all accounts, 
this next election on November 8th is going to be an absolute bloodbath, politically speaking, of course. A red tsunami is going to sweep Washington, D.C., and make no mistake, they are going to cheat as hard as they can, but they blew their wad in 2020 trying to get rid of Trump. And in the vast majority of jurisdictions, they will not be able to replicate that. Already laws have been passed to make sure that that doesn't happen. And every day there are more court cases making their shenanigans illegal. They will not be able to cheat their way out of what is going to happen for these midterms. They'll be able to make a dent, don't get me wrong, but every year that passes, their grip on power is going to weaken. Our main problem is not Democrats. Our main problem are the Republicans, the rhinos, that have to be cleaned out of our Republican Party. They have to be forced out. They have to be voted out. Let them go and join the Democrats in what is very probably going to be a permanent minority party for at least a generation to come. But we have to maintain vigilance. We have to watch what they're up to, and we have to understand how they do what they do. This is why I have this podcast. I've been studying this kind of thing for a long time. I've been watching the patterns. I've been watching their tactics and their strategies. I know how they think and I know how they move. And that's why I have this podcast to tell you so that you can see it. And I also have the added viewpoint of the spiritual realm from a Christian perspective, the deeper meaning behind all of it, which is the actual spiritual warfare that is going on. All of this is fascinating to me. It is my passion. And so I share it with you. But back to the point about the DHS. Every single person that is involved in this situation from the agents directly meeting with the board members of the tech companies to the members of the board from those tech companies to the politicians who were ordering this to happen, both Republican and Democrat. These people must be prosecuted. I don't care who they are. I don't care how powerful 
they are. I don't care what kind of dirt they have on whom. This corruption needs to end. People need to start going to prison for treason. This is the very definition of treason. These people are rising up to overthrow the legitimate government of the United States of America. And the legitimate government of the United States of America, again, are not those idiots in D.C., those criminals in D.C. No, the legitimate government of the United States of America are we the people? And a lot of this stuff needs to be investigated. What happened in the 2020 election needs to be investigated. What happened to Trump the entire time he was in office with the Russia Gate scandal needs to be investigated. And those people need to be thrown into prison, even if they are octogenarians who happen to be some well-placed politicians. All of the business that happened with Jeffrey Epstein needs to be investigated. The people who had Epstein killed need to be investigated. The people who did the killing need to be investigated. The guards who went off and allowed Epstein to be killed. The guards who turned off the cameras, Epstein's little black book needs to be released. And while we're on the subject of things that need to be released and are currently being hidden by the FBI, let's talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. That needs to be released to the public. That needs to be investigated, and Hunter Biden and Joe Biden need to be put into prison for the crimes that they committed. Again, I don't care how old Joe Biden is. I do not care. The man is corrupt. He has been corrupt since the day he entered office. He is corrupt still. Now, I don't have any hope that that's going to happen, quite frankly. But I do know that there will be a judgment that all of those people who were involved will not be able to avoid where no lawyers will be present, only a judge. They will be judged against whether or not they were perfect. And when it is inevitably found that they were not, they will be sentenced. And they will wish that their sentence was as light as life in prison. Now, that's some heavy stuff right there. That is some heavy stuff right there. So I want to get into some lighter stuff. 
first some cultural stuff. Let's talk about some cultural stuff. Many of you are familiar with the term woke. The term woke is someone who is interested in social justice. Now. That's what it means now. Well, the problem is that like so very many things that the left does, it's gotten a bad name. A negative connotation has rightly been attached to the term. And as a result, the left have found their self, uh, I'm sorry, the left have found themselves in the position that they must distance themselves from the term. And so they are now trying to spin it such that the term woke is instead a pejorative that the Republicans, that the conservatives, that the MAGA right, the right-wing extremist, nationalist, racist, whatevers, have invented. It's our fault. We invented it. And, and now we use it as a pejorative against them. That's, that's the story that they're trying to spin. Because they don't want any part of that term anymore. And, and this is the same way that they've, they've changed their name multiple times throughout the history of our country. They called themselves progressives, then they called themselves liberals, then they called themselves social democrats, then they called themselves progressives again. And they, they changed their names all the time because after a while... The, the names that they use for themselves, the terms that they use to describe their particular philosophies, rightly get negative connotations attached to them because they're bad. And so they have to change their names again. Oh, we're not liberal. We're progressive. Oh, we're not progressive. We're social democrats. We're not social democrats, we're liberals. And over and over and over it goes, around and around and around. Woke is no different. Well, I did a little bit of looking up the term woke. The term woke was officially originally used in an article in the very first volume of the Negro Digest in 1942. And it referred to being aware of racist activities, being wise to racist activities. A similar term was used in a speech by 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in 1965, where he stated that we must stay awake, or we must we must remain awake. And again, this was referring to the fact that people need to be aware of the racist activities in both instances, by the way, the racist activities of the Democrats. Racism, slavery, and so forth being one of the reasons that they had to rebrand, especially back in the 60s. Thank you, LBJ. So then, woke kind of disappeared. Uh, it 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 was used a little bit, maybe in the late sixties, early seventies, to refer to being aware of secret knowledge that the man didn't want you to know about. But it definitely disappeared after that. It was not used at all. And then, when the whole woke push rose again from the grave like a zombie, in 2016, the year of the Ghostbusters reboot, there became a requirement by the Democrat Party to inflame racial hatred within the United States. You see, the Democrats have always operated by separating people into race, into gender, into more recently sexual proclivity. And they needed a race war. So in order to conjure up a race war, they started paying attention to any time a black man was killed by police or a white man or anybody who even remotely resembled a white man. But they, they also needed something to lend a little bit more legitimacy to this moment. So they dug into the archives of history and they found the term woke. And so they used that term, they revived it to lend to, to pluck at the heartstrings of the black community, to lend gravitas to their new movement, to inflame racial hatred known as Black Lives Matter. Well, pretty soon, they also used it in support of their other minorities. See, for quite some time, the Democrats have been trying to 
maintain a power base by cobbling together a majority of minorities. This was a strategy doomed to failure and is finally seeing its fruition as those minority those minority communities that they cobble together are starting to turn their backs on the Democrats, all except the very most radical of them. But at any rate, the term woke started to mean not just being aware of racial justice, but social justice. You see, what they did was they took the concept of critical theory and spread it out, not just for race, but for sexual orientation and for um, sexual identity. And so now it was for social justice across the board. Whatever social justice, anybody who was being oppressed by the man, and by the man that means white Christian men. White Christian men being the bane of the existence of the Democrat Party, and at the very top of that heap, the, the white Christian man that they hate the very most would be Christ himself. And so that's when Woke got revived in 2016, and it has carried on up to this point until Woke has gotten a bad name, largely because of really, really crappy movies. Just really, really crappy, crappy movies. And so now, the leftists take offense if you label one of their movies or TV shows woke. They take offense. It's just like, it's like, wait a minute, six years ago, you guys were using this as, as a good thing. You were using this term as a good thing. Woke is a good thing. To be woke is a good thing. And now... You're saying that it's the equivalent of us using the N-word? How terribly inconsistent of you. So, like so many things, they are trying to redefine the term woke. And while we're talking about woke, Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I am rolling on these segues here today. While we're talking about woke, got some bad news coming in for Hollywood. Bad news coming in for Hollywood. Wokesters are getting fired all over the place, especially at Warner Brothers, thanks to David Zaslav. But wokesters are getting fired all over the place. They're getting fired from Twitter. They're getting fired from Warner Brothers. They are uh, losing their jobs in the animation industry. Um, 
even Disney is starting to fire some of their woke people. I don't believe that that will come to anything, but it is what it is. I I still believe that Disney is 100% committed to the woke ideology. As a matter of fact, it just came out that they are planning on producing a Wonder Man movie. Yes, there actually is a uh, Marvel character called Wonder Man. Um, I believe he came out about the 70s, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and it's going to be just a super woke, woke fest. Uh, Bob Chapek came out in an interview recently, uh, doubling down on the woke agenda of Disney, saying that Disney's been around for a hundred years, as if that somehow means that Disney is going to continue to be around forever. This, by the way, is the uh, logical fallacy of uh, argumentum ad antiquitum, an argument to history. Uh, Just because it has been this way always, it will be this way forever. That is not the case, by the way for the millions and millions of dollars that Disney currently has, I guarantee you that if they continue down this path, their entertainment section, their entertainment division, will run out of money within the next five years if they keep putting out woke stinkers like they have been. So anyway, you've got woke people getting fired all over the place. You also have a very notable very famous individual who is leaving a particular TV series because of wokeness. For those of you who are familiar with the Netflix series The Witcher, if you know anything about the books and the video games, you will know that the series on Netflix has very little, if anything, to do with the original source material. Of course, this is not unusual. Again, ever since the Ghostbusters reboot in 2016, Hollywood has been taking existing IPs and trying to twist them and distort them to fit a particular political narrative, that narrative being wokeness. The same applies to The Witcher. The Witcher became a bastion of intersectional feminism. And apparently Henry Cavill had to fight tooth and nail through seasons one, two, and I guess three as well to try to at least maintain a very little bit of the integrity of the source material. Well, last week, I believe it was, a story came out indicating that one of the producers of that show... 
who has since left, admitted that the writers for that Netflix series not only were not interested in the source material, but they hated it. They despised the source material, much like, I believe, the writers of the Rings of Power series for Amazon despise the Tolkien source material. But the writers of The Witcher hated the books, they hated the video games, and they wanted to write themselves into the stories. They wanted to make the stories about them. They wanted to make the stories about diversity and inclusion. And so they did. They created three seasons worth of it. I don't know when the third season is going to come out. I won't be watching it. The first season was okay. It was all right. The second season, quite a bit less so. I'd imagine the third season is complete garbage. But Henry Cavill, being the amazing actor that he is, an amazing human being that he is, and despite the fact that he is one of the handsomest dudes on the face of the planet, one of the best-looking dudes on the face of the planet, he is a legit, hardcore, homeboy nerd. Even more so than me. He is a gamer geek. He is a comic book nerd. He is a science fiction and fantasy nerd. Much love. Much love. And much respect to that, my homeboy, right there. I'm old school. I'm Star Trek back, you know, from the 70s. I, I was into Star Trek as a kid and the original Star Wars. I am old, old school nerd, but he's, he's a homeboy. And I love that about Henry Cavill. Well, while The Witcher was beset with wokeness and continues to be beset with wokeness. Warner Brothers, under David Zaslav, is being cleaned, being cleansed of wokeness. The wokeness is being removed, and the woke zombies are being fired. And because of that, Henry Cavill's more lucrative job as Superman reopened. You see, originally Warner Brothers was going to and had written him out. He was done. He was never going to be Superman again, and he was going to be replaced with Supergirl. That is no longer the case. Henry Cavill is back. Henry Cavill will be playing Superman, and so Henry no doubt looked at the fact that he was going to be playing Superman for quite some time to come, as he announced on YouTube and uh, TikTok, I believe it was. But that he had gotten sick and tired of Netflix 
not being true to the source material. And so he looked at one thing that he loved doing and one franchise that he loved and the source material that he loved being respected finally by Warner Brothers in D.C. And he saw what Netflix was doing and it was an easy move to make. And he just decided he will be Geralt of Rivia no more, which is an enormous loss, by the way. That man was born to play that part. He was perfect. He was perfect for the part. And if Netflix had simply done it right, he would still be playing that part. He would be able to do both jobs, and I'm sure he would love to do both jobs. He even said when he took the job to play the part of Geralt, he said that he would do all seven seasons as long as they respected the source material. And from the jump, they did not. They did not stick to their side of the bargain. So guess what? He doesn't have to stick to his now. They still have four more seasons to go. What are they to do? What is Netflix to do? Well, they have made the they have made the decision to go with Liam Hemsworth. Um, that's that's not a great not a great choice. Now, to his credit, Henry Cavill was just 100% a gentleman about the entire separation. And he heaped praise upon Liam Hemsworth and said that he's sure that Liam will do a great job as Geralt of Rivia. And Liam, to his credit, also was quite the gentleman in his response, saying that he knew he had some big boots to fill, but that he would do his very best. Unfortunately for Liam, nobody's going to watch The Witcher. Um, I, I think very few people are going to watch season three. I know I won't be watching season three. It's going to be a dud immediately, and I would imagine, although... I, 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 I would imagine that they're going to be filming season four while season three is being watched. S season four is very probably going to be the last one. I think with news that Henry Cavill is stepping down or has stepped down, I think with just the really bad story that season two was, and it was a bad story. It was boring. It was lackluster. It, it just was not a good story. Um, 
people have already lost interest in The Witcher. And knowing full well that there's only more wokeness to come, I don't think that season three is even going to get watched that much. So while season four may get shot and may have to be released, uh, that will probably be, probably be the last season. That would be my guess. Because even Netflix is starting to wake up to the fact that woke doesn't sell. Get woke, go broke, is a thing. And there is more than enough proof out there that non-woke good stories with good characters sell. People watch good movies. I think you could say that the film that really kicked the door in for this was Top Gun Maverick, although I have not yet seen it. Um, the real proof of concept, however, was that, oh gosh, what was that movie? It was also on Netflix. Uh, let's see. Was it Chris, Chris Pratt? Um, the Tomorrow War. After five years of constant garbage from Hollywood, this movie comes out, The Tomorrow War, with Chris Pratt. And it wasn't fantastic, and there were some pretty decent-sized plot holes in it. But it wasn't woke. It was just a good story. And much to the chagrin of the left, of the Luciferian left, much to their chagrin, this supported classical values, classical Western values, like family, like masculinity, like honor. And so it did really, really well on Netflix. Again, it, it wasn't a fantastic movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it was the best damn thing out there at the time, and so it exploded. And I believe, even though it was Top Gun Maverick who really kicked the door in, uh, it was the Tomorrow War that was the... Uh, that was the true test. It was the uh, proof of concept, again, that good storytelling still sold audiences. 
And now we're at the point where woke is collapsing all over the place. Another Chris Pratt movie, uh, or a rather series, has kicked some serious tail. That being the terminal list. Outstanding. Outstanding. There's a lot of people that give uh, Chris Pratt a hard time because they say he was too dour in this series. And he was. He was uncharacteristically un-Chris Pratt for this. But I think he had to be. I think he had to be. To break the mold that he has been in for so long. That kind of goofy kind of guy, you know, goofy guy mold. He, he had to break it, and he broke it. And was instantly set up for a season two. So, there you go. Another one, another great non-woke movie, or, I'm sorry, series that came out was Reacher. It was extremely well done. They kept... Uh, in some cases, like word for word for the book. I read the book uh, a few years ago. And when the, uh, you know, and I like the movies too. I like the Tom Cruise movies. Those were really good. And when I heard they were doing a series, you know, I wanted to check it out. And so I checked out the, the Reacher series. It was fantastic. It's outstanding. So another proof of concept, all of a sudden, we're starting to pick up momentum here. And, and even another movie, another Chris Pratt movie that did well in the theaters, despite the fact that by all accounts, from what I've heard, the movie itself was terrible, was Jurassic World Dominion. I heard that that movie was absolutely awful, but because it wasn't woke, it sold. It was out-freaking-standing. So there you go, folks. And now, Woke is collapsing. Woke is collapsing. You have Black Adam that just came out. And it's not Woke. And it's doing well. Well, by all accounts, it's only an okay movie. It's, it's only okay. But it's selling theaters. And then, you have another superhero movie that Initially, people were saying, oh, this movie's going to be so great because it's a, it's a cultural force. It's a cultural force. That being uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Let me tell you, folks, the very second that I heard that they were making a second Black Panther movie and they were not going to recast the part of T'Challa because of the very tragic death of the very talented Chadwick Boseman. I knew that this was going to be a dud. Still, there were people out there saying, oh, this is such a cultural force that, you know, it's just going to sell out. It's going to do $200 million in the first weekend and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. No, it's not. Absolutely will not. If it does, I will be extremely surprised. Because it's woke. 
And this is a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it says more about the people that I am saying it about than it does about me who is saying it. Okay, Chadwick Boseman, who is absolutely perfect for the part of Black Panther. Perfect. And it would have been hard to recast. I'm not, I'm not saying it would be easy to recast. It would have been hard to recast that part. No question about it. Chadwick Boseman was just perfect for that part. Just like it's going to be hard to recast The Witcher. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put in there. Now, Liam Hemsworth? Really? Was nobody else? Was, was Weird Al Yankovic not available? I'm sorry. That's terrible. Bad doc. Bad doc. Terrible. How dare you say that? But anyway, it would have been hard to recast Chadwick Boseman, no question. But it need to it needed to be done. It needed to be done. Superheroes, comic book superheroes do not die, folks. They don't. They go on and on and on. You recast Batman over and over and over. You recast Superman over and over and over. Same thing with supervillains. You recast the Joker over and over and over. You do not let them die. But Chadwick Boseman, in passing away, really ended up doing Kevin Feige and his harpies. A favor because they were going to make they were going to get rid of him anyway they were going to do to Black Panther the same thing that they have done to Thor the same thing that they are going to do to Iron Man the same thing that they have done to all of their male characters they're going to replace them with females it was going to happen anyway because Kevin Feige has the dream of creating an endgame type movie with an all-female superhero cast. The only problem for Marvel specifically, and Disney in general, is the fact that female superhero toys do not sell. This is a fact. You can live your life, and this goes for everything, folks. You can live your life counter to reality as much as you want. You can call your Nissan a BMW as much as you want. But when your fantasy comes into contact with reality, reality will win every single time. And the reality of the market is that if your movies are not moving merchandise, then your movies are failures. This is even putting aside the fact that maybe only two of the Marvel Phase 4 movies or Stage 4 movies 
have even broken even. Maybe barely made a little bit of a profit, and the rest of them have lost money. That's putting that aside. Marvel is not moving merchandise. Nobody is buying the female superhero toys. Same thing is happening with Star Wars. Nobody is buying the sequel trilogy toys. Nobody is buying the toys from the TV series, with the exception of Baby Yoda, a.k.a. Grogu. And Disney is starting to hear about it from the merchandisers. Disney is starting to hear about it from Hasbro and from the other companies that make the toys. It's gotten so bad that what Disney has forced down the merchandisers' throats are deals that, along with the toys that are selling, you must include 10% or 20% of the toys from the new woke movies that we are putting out except for the fact that the toys from those woke movies are not selling. And they are taking up space. Initially, they were taking up space out on the floor. But now, since they're not selling, they're taking up space in the back room. Or they're taking up space in the warehouses. And those toys from the warehouses are being sold to discount stores. And they aren't even selling there. Ollie's, I believe, is the name of of a store, a discount store, where you can go and get discount toys. And there are tons and tons and tons of these toys from these woke IPs. That's intellectual properties. That are not selling. And so now... These toy companies are coming back and going, you know, these deals that we have with you where we have to produce so many of these woke toys that nobody is buying, it ain't working out for us so well. We're getting to the point where we're not making a profit off of this stuff. So you're going to have to fix your stuff so that we can start selling toys again or we are going to renegotiate our deal. Disney's in trouble, folks. All of these woke companies are in trouble. All of these woke organizations are in in trouble. Again, wokeness is built off of a fantasy. It's built off of, of lies, And when lies come in contact with the truth, the truth wins every single time. Well, I want to thank you all for listening. This has been fun. 
For those of you who are listening to this on YouTube, if you enjoyed this, subscribe, hit the like button, and share this out there. And for those of you who didn't, and those of you who did, go ahead and leave me a comment. You can hit me up on social media at Doc Bryant on Gab, Getter, Locals, Minds, and Truth Social. I'm on Twitter, the newly liberated Twitter, at Doc Bryant Actual. And the email address is docbryantshow at zohomail.com. That's Z-O-H-O-Mail.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all later.